We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today's topic is gun control, and more specifically, I'm going to talk about my response to evangelical pastors who seem to think it's more important to talk about more laws against guns than it is to talk about the ideas, the worldview, that actually led to the killing of these children in Nashville, Tennessee. What's more important, the weapon that you hold in your hand or the ideas that you hold in your heart. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. As I said in the introduction, today's topic is gun control, gun ownership, the Second Amendment. And do you have the right to bear arms, to keep weapons, to own a gun, regardless of how many bullets it fires and how large the magazine is? Do you have the right, constitutionally, to own such a weapon here in the United States of America. More specifically, do you have the right, biblically, ethically, morally, to own a weapon and defend yourself, to to defend your family and your property if somebody is bent on stealing something from you, whether it be your home or your automobile, or maybe even stealing the lives of your family members, your children, for example. Do you have the obligation to defend those people? On today's show, I'm going to talk about that from the biblical perspective, and we might even talk about Augustine's just war theory a bit here. I'm also going to play an audio clip for you of a recent testimony that was delivered to Congress with regard to gun violence. We're going to talk about the real data, the science, the empirical facts that you never hear in the mainstream media with regard to gun ownership, gun violence, and how the United States compares to other countries. I bet you actually think that the United States has more mass shootings than other countries. I bet you think that if we just eliminated some of the more um, military-style weapons, if, if we just had common sense gun control, to quote my evangelical pastor friend, Ed Rotz, who put that out on Facebook immediately after the shootings in Nashville, Tennessee, He focused on his anger toward Republicans who refused to talk about common-sense gun control. That was the focus of his tweet, rather than focusing on the actual victims, the families, the children that suffered at the hands of somebody who was determined to execute Christians. I mean, you have these conservative Christians in Nashville, Tennessee, that send their kids to a private Christian school. Odds are that the majority of these conservative Tennessee parents probably believe in the Second Amendment. They're conservative. They choose to get their kids out of the public schools into a private school. They invest accordingly. Do you think the data would probably support that most of those parents are like you and me? They believe in the Constitution. They believe 
in the American experiment. They believe in our constitutional republic. They believe in the First Amendment, that you have the right to speak and you have the right to act on your religion, both privately and publicly. And the Second Amendment, that you have the right to bear arms in defense of your property, your life, and your freedom. These parents who would believe these things, do believe these things, who just lost their children at the hands of somebody who has a broken worldview, a worldview of victimization, a worldview of vindication, a worldview of vengeance and violence, a worldview that ignores the veritas, the time-tested truths of the, of, of the Bible, of Scripture. Do, wouldn't you think that a Christian pastor, an evangelical pastor, would defend the parents and talk about the brokenness, the sinful ideas that led to the execution of these children, execution of Christians. Wouldn't you think the pastor would be focusing on that rather than his knee-jerk reaction, spouting off and spewing this nonsense about more gun control? Well, that's today's show. But like I said, I want to focus on this audio clip from a congressional testimony. You really need to hear this because I'll bet you I'll bet you, you haven't heard this data before. And if you're pro-science, wouldn't you want to talk about the empirical evidence, the actual statistical data that either supports or refutes your position? I would think if you really are pro-science, you'd want to hear that without bias and with an open mind. Let's take an early break. And when I get back, I'm going to just refresh your memory on what I said to my evangelical pastor friend. And then we're going to listen to this particular audio clip that gives you the real numbers associated with gun ownership and gun violence in the United States and even worldwide. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the Rebellion. All right, for the rest of the show, I'm going to talk about gun control, and I'm going to do so within the context of this Nashville shooting. Now, as you know, I talked about this last week. This uh, transgender militant, Aubrey Hale, who walked into a private school in Nashville, Tennessee, and proceeded to execute several children and staff members. 
by all accounts, this was a hate crime. The only reason, the only reason that this woman did this was because she, and yes, she was a biological female who was starting to use male pronouns. This was a transgender person that was seriously confused. Somebody who has been indoctrinated with this poisonous worldview that is starting to affect not only those people that embrace it when they mutilate their own bodies, but it's starting to affect everybody around them because they're being taught, they're being told that they have the right to lash out in violence, in retribution against anybody that disagrees with them. So by all accounts, the reason that she did this is that she wanted to kill Christians. So these young children, as well as a couple staff members that were executed by Audrey Hale, okay, Evelyn Dykhouse, she was nine, William Kenny was nine, Hallie Scruggs was nine. These children, these nine-year-old Christian kids were killed simply because they were Christians and they, they were attending this Christian school. K through sixth grade, that's the, that's the school. All right, young kids. And then we had Mike Hill, who was a custodian, 61, and Catherine Kuntz, 60, and Cynthia Peake, 61, two administrators and teachers. These people were literally hunted down and killed simply because they sought to be biblically obedient followers of Christ. That's why they were killed. Now, the reaction from the self-righteous intelligentsia in our culture, you know, the mainstream media, that was as predictable as the sunrise. That didn't take more than five minutes. These moral exemplars in our culture, they couldn't even wait for the bodies in Nashville to grow cold before they started rushing into the public square and blaming the victims and their families for their own executions. That's essentially what they're doing. When you start talking about, well, it was the worldview of the victims, that was the problem. So, so when you start saying that, the worldview of the victims is the problem, I would argue you've got a problem. Okay, this is a holier-than-thou attitude. And it, 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 here's, here, here's an example. Roseanne Cash, I covered this last week. Those who don't believe in common-sense gun control have blood on their hands. That's what she tweeted. And then there's Peter Frampton, the 72-year-old rocker, Peter Frampton. He said, quote-unquote, in his tweet, it's the effing guns. Okay, then you had Valerie Bertinelli. TV actress Valerie Bertinelli, she said this, ban assault rifles, not trans rights, close quote. Now, again, this may not surprise you, the Hollywood posturing and whatnot. That's, that's not a shocker, is it? After all, we've come to expect this callousness and this blatant hypocrisy from these red carpet elites who can afford to go hire their own armed guards to guard them personally while they sit around and smugly tell all of the rest of us that we have no right to bear arms. It's the hypocrisy of the left. They tell us that global warming is going to kill the planet while they fly around in their private jets, and they tell us that you don't have the right to bear arms, that it's barbaric, while they hire armed guards to protect themselves and their property. They do it all the time. But that aside, all of that hypocrisy aside, I said last week that one of the things that should catch your attention is a lesser-known evangelical leader from America's heartland, more specifically Kansas. His name's Ed Rotz. He's a pastor from the Wesleyan Church. Now that's pertinent to me because I was the president of a Wesleyan University 
Okay? Now, Ed Rotz comes out and he tweets this. He says, in the aftermath of today's Nashville shooting horror, I'm more and more baffled by the intransigence of mostly Republican lawmakers to pass common sense gun control legislation. I'm just baffled and angered, close quote. So here's my question. How do you respond to this kind of stuff from evangelical leaders who somehow think it's more appropriate to blame the victims who simply want to preserve their God-given constitutional rights to defend themselves than it is to talk about the worldview, the actual ideas that led to the execution of these victims? Well, here's a response that I offered in the Washington Times to Ed Rotz. It was kind of an open letter. I said this, and it's a little bit of a repeat, but I want you to hear at least part of it before I play this audio clip. What what utterly baffles and angers me, Ed, is this kind of thoughtless evangelical virtue signaling from Christian leaders like you who should know better. I I have to wonder if you would have been at the front of the goose-stepping brown shirts who blamed the Poles for the blood in the streets of Warsaw in 1939. I mean, everybody knows that it was the mostly Republican Polish school teachers and custodians with sidearms and assault rifles. They're the ones who caused World War II, right? And then I went on, as you know, and I talked about, would you have stood with the antebellum slave owners when they blamed John Brown, Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, and Harriet Tubman for the bodies at Bull Run and Gettysburg? I mean, they're the ones, you know, those those people who believed, believed a black man had the right to arm himself in defense of his human freedom. They're the ones who started the Civil War, right? And how about those doggone Jews at Auschwitz and Dachau and Bergen-Belsen? If they'd just laid down their guns, uh, we would have had what Chamberlain called peace in our time. Oh, that's right, Pastor Ed. I forgot. I think they did lay down their guns, didn't they? Hmm, how'd that one end? So I concluded my open letter by saying, Reverend Rotz, you can keep your common sense gun control, but I'll let the Poles and the Jews and the Christians keep their guns, thank you. Yours truly, a mostly Republican intransigent who cares more about the kids just killed than parroting the PC pablum of the one who just killed them. So that was my response. So what are we to make of this gun debate? For the rest of the show, or at least most of it, I want you to listen to this seven-minute audio clip from an academic who was called to testify to Congress on the science, the actual data, the facts relevant to gun ownership and gun violence. How does the United States compare to other countries? What, what does the data actually tell us about guns? I want you to listen to this. Now, it's seven minutes long, but I want you to attend to the entire thing. It's very important. This is, this is information that you probably have never heard before. Here you go. I desperately want to do something to stop the horrific violence that Representative Lee and the other witnesses have so movingly described this morning. But I want to do something that actually matters. Unfortunately, many of the proposals won't help or will actually make matters worse. Take background checks on the private transfers of guns known as universal background checks. There isn't one mass public shooting this century that would have been stopped if such a law had been in effect and had been perfectly enforced. Worse, no one is talking about the massive errors in the background check system and how it overwhelmingly discriminates against black and Hispanic males being able to go and defend themselves and their families. We hear calls for bans of so-called assault weapons. But the vast majority of firearms in the United States, including these assault weapons, are semi-automatic guns that function, 
are functionally identical. Even the influential Associated Press style book acknowledged earlier this year that terms such as assault weapon and weapons of war convey, quote, little meaning and, quote, are highly politicized, end quote. The AP makes it clear that these firearms are not used by any militaries around the world. Despite the references a couple times, they are not automatic weapons. President Biden has frequently said you only need an AR-15 to hunt deer if the deer have Kevlar vests. But an AR-15 functions exactly the same as any small caliber hunting rifle, firing the same bullets with the same rapidity and doing the exact same damage. Banning guns based on them looking like military weapons, you know, the key phrase is often military style, makes no sense. Of course, banning all semi-automatic guns, as President Biden has repeatedly called for over the years, would mainly affect law-abiding citizens, while I guess at least is logically uh, more consistent than banning military-style weapons, it would make it much more difficult for Americans to use guns defensively. If you want to ban all semi-automatic rifles, what's the alternative? A manually loaded gun, where you have to physically put another round in the chamber after you fire each shot? If you, fire, if you face multiple attackers, or you fire and miss, or you fire and wound but don't incapacitate the attacker, someone may not have the luxury of time of manually reloading the gun to be able to go and protect themselves. Claims about these laws having overwhelming support are based on surveys that s simplify and mischaracterize what these laws do. Surveys show that when Americans are accurately informed about what these laws do, change with, with strong support changes to strong opposition. There's four facts I'd like to try to get across. One, over 92% of violent crime in America has nothing to do with firearms. That percent has remained fairly constant for the last couple decades. The vast majority of violent crime has nothing to do with, with firearms. The second point is while the U.S. media doesn't give much attention, if any, to coverage of mass public shootings in other countries. Mass public shootings per capita are relatively low in the United States compared to a number of countries in Europe as well as the rest of the world. Over the 20 years from 1998 to 2017, the United States had 1.1% of the world's share of mass public shooters and 1.8% of the mass public shooting murders. Both are significantly less than the U.S.'s 4.6% share of the world population. People don't take into account that the United States has over 330 million people. You can't compare it to a country with 5 million or even Germany with 80 million without adjusting for the sh different sizes in population. Many of these countries with much higher uh, mass public shooting rates and deaths have very strict gun control laws. The third fact is 94% of the mass public shootings occur in places where civilians are banned from having firearms. We've heard many times today about the Buffalo mass murder earlier this year. If you read his manifesto, he spends a great deal of time, like many of these killers do, explaining why he picked the target that he did. I'll read it to you. His manifesto says, Quote, attacking in a weapon-restricted area may decrease the chance of civilian backlash. Schools, courts, or other areas where concealed carry are outlawed or prohibited may be good areas of attack. 
Areas with strict gun control laws are also great places for attack. I can give you quotes from one manifesto after another, from one diary after another, and they're on our website at crimeresearch.org, where these killers, time after time, tell you, but the media ignores the fact, never reports this part of what's in their manifestos. <clears throat> the fourth fact I'd like to get across is the most vulnerable people in our society benefit the most from owning guns. If my research convinces me of anything, there are two groups of people who benefit the most from being able to go and protect themselves. One are the people who are most likely victims of violent crime. That's overwhelmingly poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas. Police, anybody who's read my academic research knows that I think police are extremely important. But police understand themselves that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occurred, and that raises the question of how people should act when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves. And the research shows overwhelmingly that by far the safest course of action for people to take is to have a gun. And that's particularly true for people who are relatively weaker physically, women and the elderly. You're almost always talking about a male criminal doing the attack, and when a man is attacking a woman, there's a much larger, larger strength difference that exists there than when a man's attacking another man. We've heard a lot about different attacks that occurred this year. Dr. Locke, the, are you, can, can you finish? Will you be yes, finishing soon? Okay. Thank you. Sorry. But if you go through the list, the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, was a gun-free zone. The Tulsa, Oklahoma a hospital shooting was a gun-free zone. The Walmart mass murder in Virginia was a gun-free zone. I could go through others. But our research shows that overwhelmingly, when you see these attacks, they occur in schools where teachers and staff are not allowed to carry. It's not by accident. Thank you very much. So there you have it. That's a testimony that was delivered to Congress, a special hearing. And it was on gun control. And it's an academic who comes to the table and actually wants to talk about the reality of the situation, the actual data, the statistics, the facts that are before us. In other words, this guy is pro-science. Now, you know I've talked about the science debate, the anti-science claims, the science-denying claims that the left likes to field against the right, that you're a science denier because you don't believe in climate change and global warming, that you're a science denier if you didn't take the jab or wear a paper mask like you were told to do, that you're a science denier if you don't buy into the a woman can be a man and a man can be a woman argument of the LGBTQIA left, that somehow if you want to raise your hand and say, wait a second, I don't think the cows farting out in the field are causing climate change and global warming. When you ask the basic question, wait a second, if our cattle are causing this crisis, what in the world was going on when we had millions upon millions of buffalo roaming the Great Plains rather than ranchers with cattle that are growing food for the world? Uh, how does this work? Isn't there an inconsistency here? And if you really think the climate is changing and the earth is going to die because of fossil fuels, then why in the world are you getting in your private jet and flying off to Davos or someplace else to come up with rules and laws on how to control all of the rest of us? 
And how can you be pro-science if you deny biology and physiology and genetics and start claiming that a man can be a woman? When we ask these basic questions, when we ask the question, wait a second, how can you be a radical Darwinist and pretend that this stuff just all happened, this, this design that we obviously see before us of the human eye or the ear or the human body or our own intellect and the fact that we have cognitive capacities? How can you deny the obvious design of the human being and of the reality of creation all around us when you don't deny that somehow there was a designer behind a book, behind a painting, behind a housing development, or a high-rise? You know that there was a designer, somebody who actually designed those things. Logic leads you to that conclusion, but yet you deny the same logic when it comes to creation, origins, where we actually come from. So these science-denying accusations fielded from the left toward you and me need to be challenged. And the same is true when it comes to this gun debate. Let's talk about the real data, the facts. Now, this man, this academic, points out that when you adjust per capita, the United States actually has fewer mass gun shootings than other countries which have much stricter Gun laws, Germany, for example. I mean, you hear that we have all of these mass shootings, but we've got 330 million people that live in the United States versus 80, for example, that live in Germany. Our gun laws are, are not nearly as strict as Germany's, but Germany has more per capita mass shootings. Well, how's that work? When you point out the fact that even here in the United States, when there is a mass shooting, it almost always takes place in an area that has more gun restrictions rather than less. Well, well, why? And when you actually read the manifestos of these, these criminals, these people that have gone in and massacred other people, targeted other people for execution because they don't like the way those individuals think, often it's Christians and conservatives that they're targeting. When you read their manifestos, they're telling you, they're telling you in their manifestos that they're targeting communities that have more gun laws rather than less. Why? Because there will be no one there to stop them. This is a reality. These are facts. Why aren't we talking about it? Why aren't we talking about the fact that when Joe Biden or the left calls for common sense gun control, like Ed Rotz, my pastor friend, is doing, they're talking about restricting ARs. They're saying that the ammunition that an AR uses is unnecessary if you're going deer hunting. Joe Biden's stupid, stupid statement where he said, the only reason you need an AR to go deer hunting is if the deer is wearing a Kevlar vest. Well, that's dumb. Apparently, he does not understand that an AR uses either 223 or 556 caliber ammunition. That caliber is actually the exact same caliber that I use in my bolt-action ranch rifle to shoot coyotes. So what I'm saying and what this professor is saying in his testimony to Congress is that an AR-15's caliber, the ammunition that is used in an AR, isn't even really high capacity. It isn't, it isn't very hefty. It isn't as deadly, if you will, as powerful as what you'd put in a lever-action 30-30 rifle, an old cowboy rifle, for example. So it's ludicrous to talk about the ammunition being more deadly in an AR than in another rifle. That's dumb. That, that, that just shows ignorance. But 
In the last few minutes of the show, what I want to talk about is the fact that evangelicals like Ed Rotz and others, when they call for common sense gun control, and when they ridicule you and me for not being open enough to discuss that, we are interested, I'm interested, in enforcing the laws we have, in, in enforcing the actual laws that are on the books with regard to making sure that criminals don't have guns, for example, and that illegal aliens don't have guns, and that the background checks that we now have in play are actually done thoroughly and in a timely way, consistently, and that you actually are catching the people that shouldn't have guns before they get them. Oh, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with with that type of gun control. In other words, the control that we already have on the books, enforce those laws, and stop talking about taking the right to gun ownership away from you and me. That's what we should be doing right now, not this radical, knee-jerk reaction to take gun ownership away from law-abiding citizens. Well, that'll work, won't it? That would be like taking guns away from the Poles before the Nazis invaded Warsaw or taking guns away from abolitionists like John Brown, or here's an even more pertinent example, take guns away from the Jews. Oh, that's right, we did. And it didn't end very well for those Jews, did it? Gun control isn't the answer. That's not the solution. You have to attend with what's in the person's heart, the ideas that are leading to the violence in the first place. If you don't address the ideas, you're not going to solve the problem. You can take away the gun, you can take away the club, you can take away the sword, you can take away the knife, you can take away the rock. But if you don't address the evil that lurks in every human's heart, you're not going to solve the problem. And evangelical pastors like Ed Rotz should be the first ones to understand that. It's what you hold in your heart that's of issue here. It's not the weapon you hold in your hand. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. And this is The Rebellion.